All right. Well, Pastor Eric asked me to uh, to introduce one of my great friends, my lifetime friend Jody Van Ree, and uh, he asked her to talk because she has an important message. And uh, this is a message that she has lived out as long as I've known her. And it's, it is a message on the power of words, that it could bring life or death. And I, I must tell you that ever since I met her, that's all I've been getting is life from her. She's just been speaking life into me and blessing into my life. And I know that she does that in so many other lives. And so with the authority of walking this out decades in her life, I just want to introduce to you our great co-pastor, Jody Venery. Thank you, Ira. Wait, Eric's not here. Who's whistling for Eric? Wow, after that intro, I want to hear my message. Actually, I was too convicted first service, so I'm just kidding. Yeah, Eric, uh, he asked me to speak a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I love the Lord. I love God's word. And I, I try to be a submissive wife. And so, of course, I said no. <laughs> and he persisted. And a couple days later, he asked me again if I would speak to you all. And I said, thank you so much for considering me, but no, no thank you. I have too much going on right now. So then the beginning of this week, again, he said, I really, I really feel like you're supposed to speak. And again, I politely declined. And then Thursday rolled around, and I was walking into that bathroom there, and all of a sudden, I just knew I got this prompting from the Holy Spirit that he had a word that he wanted me to deliver to you. And, I mean, I'm, I'm slow, but I'm not, I'm not an idiot. So I did say yes that time. And I say all this to say that if this message is horrible and if you don't like it, you can blame Eric and or God. But I suggest that you blame Eric and not God. Fewer consequences. <laughs> So have you ever had one of those days that everything's going along great, just kind of minding your own business, working, doing whatever you're doing, and all of a sudden somebody comes up to you and says one thing, and your day tanks. Sorry for the sound effects. (laughs) I'm part little boy, I guess. (laughs) But have you ever had one of those days where just, Bam! And it affected you for hours, or days, or weeks, or months, or years. You ever had one of those days? One of those comments? Have you ever had the opposite thing happen where you're kind of just going about your own business, everything's kind of just normal, and then someone comes and says something and it radically transforms your day, or your week, or your month, or your life? The Bible says, my first point is, that the, the power of life and death is in our tongue. And today, I'm just, I'm, it's a really, really basic message. It's a really simple message, but it's not an easy message. But um, I'm going to just try to explain 
what the power of life and death really means. And then we're going to talk about what the root cause for our words and what the motivations are behind our words. And then talk about maybe how to get a grasp on that. And then at the end of this message, I'm going to challenge you. So you guys up for a challenge? Some of you are like, I haven't had enough coffee yet. (laughs) So Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Well, I like to do translation, you know, like, like comparisons between the different translations. And this was perplexing to me when I first read it because it says this, that those who love it will eat its fruit, which sounds pretty cool, pretty positive, right? Fruit's good. I like fruit. And then I read another translation and it said, those who love it will bear its consequences. I'm like, wow, that seems like polar opposite meanings. But what it means is, if you speak life, then you will get life back. And if you speak death, you will experience death back. So that those who love it will eat of its fruit. So if the fruit is good, you will get good fruit back. And if it is bad, you will get bad fruit back. Makes sense, huh? Um, This message is going to apply to pretty much everyone, except for those who don't speak. How many of you don't speak? Yeah, pretty much everybody. And I had so many people after second service just say that they were really convicted by it, which I really want to encourage you. I, I, I trust that the Holy Spirit can bring his conviction, and I'm going to quote a lot of Bible verses today. So if you're taking notes, um, just write down the references and go check them. Eric typically does 12 to 15 slides on the PowerPoint, and I have 30 So he was a little nervous, (laughs) but I said, mostly I'm just going to fly through them just to kind of prove that they're in the Bible and I'm not making stuff up. Okay. That's probably a good thing, huh? I'm not making stuff up. I always say I'm not smart enough to have my own opinion. So I get all mine from the Bible. So, okay. First of all, we're going to talk about words that bring death. Now, probably a lot of examples come to your mind. The first, the first example of words that bring death, criticism. Criticizing. You know that those times where someone criticizes you, not in, a, not in a way of, you know, they're critiquing you, but they're criticizing you for the sole intent of hurting you. Romans 14.10 says, why then do you criticize your brother? Why do you despise your brother? For all of us will stand before the judgment seat of God. How about lying and flattering. Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue hates its victims. Wow, the Bible is harsh, huh? Sometimes. A lying tongue hates its victims and flattering words cause ruin. You know what flattery, you know the difference between complimenting someone and flattering someone? You know the difference? When you compliment someone or encourage someone, it's for their benefit. When you flatter someone, it's for your own, so you can get something from it. So it is a form of lying. You know, it's a, de- it's a deceptive thing. Okay, how about complaining and arguing? Philippians 2.14, in everything you do, stay away from arguing and complaining so that, you, so that no one can speak a word 
of blame against you. You are to live clean, innocent lives as children of God in a dark world full of crooked and perverse people. Let your lives shine brightly before them. The next one is slandering and gossiping. Proverbs 10, 18, hiding hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others makes you a fool. I do not want to be called a fool by God. Angry outbursts, 2 Corinthians 12, 20. I'm afraid that when I come to you, I won't like what I find, and you won't like my response. I'm afraid that I will find quarrel. This is Paul talking to the church at Corinth, and they were kind of out of control says, you won't like my response. I'm afraid I will find quarreling, jealousy, angry outbursts, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. He's talking about a church. That's a crazy church. (laughs) But the angry outbursts, I heard a quote this week. It said, if you give in to your anger and your rage, you will give the best speech you will ever regret. Proverbs 15.1, this, this particular proverb is extremely convicting to me. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Can we read that together? Ready, go. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Think about the last time you had an argument with someone. How'd it go for you? How'd it go? Anybody? Not so good, huh? Think about it. If you would have been in the midst of your rant or whatever it is that we do, and you would have just stopped and just said, you know what? I am so sorry. I'm wrong. Or I am so sorry I hurt you. Or I am so sorry that I didn't explain myself. Or you know what I mean? Think about just kind of diffuse the whole thing, right? But instead, well, you said this about me, then, you know, spitting something back at the other person, stirring up anger. Wow, it's quiet in here. The next one is cursing. Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now there's cursing as in, swearing, but there's cursing, and this kind of cursing is talking about speaking death, speaking a curse over somebody. Oh, you'll never amount to anything, or you are such an idiot, or why did you do that? Why don't you think? These are curses that are being spoken. How many times you hear it in the grocery store? You hear parents talking to their kids like that. Or do you hear it coming out of your own mouth? These are curses. And they bring death. You know, there's a lot of other negative, death-producing things we can say. Accusations, false accusations, put-downs, mockery demands, you know, being demanding of someone. But conversely, there are a lot of things that we can say that will bring life. We have the power to bring life to people. Can you even imagine that? For those of us who are power hungry, this is awesome. 
I'm just kidding. Encouraging is the first one, the first life-giving word. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you're already doing. Let's say that together. Encourage each other and build each other up. Isn't that awesome? I don't, I don't want you to have to read the next part because I don't know if that's really actually going on in your life. But be doing it. Be encouraging. Be building people up. Protecting. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. If you hear someone gossiping about someone else, it's not enough to just not say something back. You need to speak a blessing to combat against the curse or against the negative thing that's being spoken. You need to protect the person that's not there and it will diffuse gossip like that and people will learn that they won't be able to come to you and gossip. They won't be able to come to you and dump because you're going to speak a blessing and it's hopefully going to bring conviction to the person that's gossiping because you know it's bringing that person death too, right? Okay, so protecting other people with your words, bringing covering and protecting. Consequently, uh, you know, when, you, when someone shares something with you and then you go and tell everyone else, that's totally opening that person up for hurt and devastation. You know, the Bible says that a gossip betrays a confidence. We don't ever want to bring death with our words like that. Okay, the next one, speaking the truth in love, Ephesians 5.14. Instead, I, I should back it up. You know, you know, it says that we should speak words that, that benefit others, that will benefit those who listen, always benefiting them. It says, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. Now, this is one of my little soapboxes. And if you've known me for longer than 30 minutes, you've probably heard me talk about this. Confrontation is a loving thing when it is done for the benefit of the other person. You should never confront someone if you haven't forgiven them yet. You should never confront someone just because you're ticked and you need to get it off your chest. You should never confront someone to hurt them. Anytime you bring someone the truth, you should do it because you care about them and you love them and you want your relationship to be healthy. You know, the reason that we as believers don't want to confront others is because we've seen the bad examples of it, haven't we? The angry outbursts and people blowing up and, you know, just spewing and venting and vomiting and then you are left to kind of figure out, well, what was true in that? I don't know, that's a mess. You know what I mean, right? You've had to clean up the, the vomit, right, of people just saying stuff to you and you're like, huh, how much of that was true? Was any of that true, you know? It's painful. And that's why if you ever go to someone to speak the truth in love, it says in Galatians 6, and I, we don't have it up here, but it says that if you see your brother caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should go to him and gently restore him. God bless you. See, I just blessed her. <laughs> You know what I mean about that? Gently, gently restoring somebody. And after you've already worked through your own forgiveness, 
Don't ever think that you have the right to go to someone and confront them on their sin if you haven't already forgiven them. You will bring death. Forgiveness is a foregone conclusion. Okay? The next one is counseling. Proverbs 27, 9 says, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Nice one, huh? What this is not saying is just give people your, your opinion and, and just you know, tell them what they want to hear. This is talking about the full counsel of God and knowing what the Bible says about certain situations. Have I ever told you guys I think it's important to read the Bible? <laughs> I know it seems so obvious. This is a little side, side note. Do not try to fight a spiritual battle without having a weapon. The Bible is called the sword of the spirit for a reason. Because if you, how many of you believe that this world is becoming more and more wicked? Kind of obvious, isn't it? There's the increase of wickedness. Look what's going on in Iraq now. Horrible atrocities. And Jesus, Jesus told us there will be the increase of wickedness and the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Woo! I like that part. Okay, so counseling people. If, if someone needs advice, don't just give them your opinion unless you're pretty sure what the Bible says about it. No offense to any of y'all, but the wisdom of this world is foolishness compared to God. And Isaiah 55 says, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Definitely not our ways, right? How many of you had to wait for something for a long time and you're like, I do not get this. Why is this taking so long? (laughs) Right? God's thoughts are not our thoughts. He's not like us. Never insult God by thinking that, that you know better than him. You know, the Bible says, who are you, O man, to talk back to God? It says that he spoke creation with a word, life. He spoke life. Okay, the next, the next thing is correction. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and it teaches us to do what is right. That's what the Bible is for. Not just to show us what we do wrong, but to teach us what is right. To show us the path to life. My saying is always, be honest, but be nice. See, if you have that out of balance in either way, it's wrong. If you're too nice, so you're so nice and, oh, you're kind of going off the cliff there. <laughs> don't want don't to make waves. I mean, somebody's going off the cliff, they're going to die. You'd be like, stop, right? Conversely, if you're too hard and you're rude and you're mean in the way that you express something, it may very well be true. What you're saying may very well be true. But, but you know, there's a thousand ways to communicate something. The Bible says that you should speak words that benefit those who listen. So you need to try to figure out, how can I communicate to this person according to their needs? How can I say it in a way that they can receive it? It's not just about you being able to speak it. It's about you loving them enough to speak in a language that they can understand. I remember when I was in Norway, um, I had almost died of meningeal encephalitis, and 
Um, so I had to stay there for several weeks afterward. And I remember sitting there, and that we'd go out for coffee or whatever, and all these Norwegians who all spoke English would sit and speak Norwegian the whole time. And I would just kind of sit there like the outcast. And I don't know if you know much about Scandinavians, but they are, like, they don't just fill in those awkward silences. <laughs> so sometimes we'd be sitting there for, like, three or four minutes just sitting. It was making me crazy. I'm like, because I can't speak Norwegian, so I couldn't say anything. But it ostracized me, and it made me feel so left out. And if we speak something to someone just because we want to say it, but we don't speak it in a way, in a language that they can understand, it will ostracize them and it will make them feel isolated from you and left out from you and attacked sometimes, right? So we need to say, we need to be honest, but be nice. Can you say that with me? Be honest, but be nice. Get that in balance. And the last one I have listed here, and I know there are several more things, but this could turn into a series if I go into all of it. The last one is a blessing. 1 Peter 3.9 says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. That's eating the fruit of your words. That if you speak words of life to people, you yourself will receive life. So what's the problem? What's the issue? The second point is out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Luke 6.45 says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Lord is much more concerned with the condition of our hearts than he is with just what we say. And the thing is, if we're filling our hearts and our minds with things that are of the world, and I'm not saying, you know, we're in the world, but not of the world. I mean, if you're reading things that you clearly know, here's always the litmus test. If you're sitting there watching a movie and you couldn't hand Jesus the popcorn, you kind of need to wonder if maybe you shouldn't be at that movie or not. And I'm not trying to be legalistic or judgmental or anything. I'm talking about life and death. I'm talking about life for us. You know, whatever is in our hearts is going to come out of our mouths. And that's why the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will pour his love into our hearts. Because then if God has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit then we will be able to pour that love back out and speak words of life and have the power to bring life to people. Right? Yes? You guys awake? Okay, thank you. (laughs) Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. The reason that we bring words of life or the word we bring words of death is because of whatever it is in our heart. I love to tell the story about a little old lady who was, was sitting on this mountain road between two villages and a young man came up to her and he said, 
old woman, I'm moving to the village up there. Can you tell me what the people are like up there? And she said, well, tell me what the people are like where you come from. And he said, ugh, they're scoundrels, they're rude, they're gossips, they're arrogant. I can't stand them and I cannot wait to move away from them. She said, oh, I'm so sorry. The same kind of people are going to be found up there. The next day, another young man comes along, has the same conversation with the old woman. And she says, tell me about the people from the village you came from. And he said, I love those people. They're sweet and kind and generous, and I'm going to miss them so much. And the little old lady said, then you're going to find the same kind of people up there. Whatever it is that's in our heart is going to be what's going to come out. Psalm 19.14 May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. The meditation of your heart is talking about your, your emotions and your thought life and your soul. The meditations of your heart, it's the things you obsess over. It's the things you allow to attach themselves. You know, have you guys ever seen those signs when, um, after you've gone to the lake? And what are those things that get attached to your boat? Those little barnacles. barnacles, yeah. Yeah, sometimes we have like barnacles, thoughts. Don't be deceived. You know, the Bible says, it says that we are not unwise to the devil's schemes. And you know what his, what his number one task is? Is to accuse it says, he stands night and day accusing us before the throne of God. That's what he does. He accuses us. So when you get one of those little barnacles in your brain, don't obsess over it. Philippians 4.4 4 says, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Think on things that are true and right and positive and don't let yourself obsess I mean, the whole tragedy this week with Robin Williams. And you just think, what was going on in his mind? The man who had it all. He was beloved. He was rich. You know, you just have to wonder what kind of thoughts were going on. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Guard your heart. Fill your heart with God's word. I read a, a blog by a guy named John Bloom. It said, a critical heart produces a critical tongue. A self-righteous heart produces a judgmental tongue. A bitter heart produces an acerbic tongue. An ungrateful heart produces a grumbling tongue. But... A loving heart produces a gracious tongue. A faithful heart produces a truthful tongue. A peaceful heart produces a reconciling tongue, and a trusting heart produces an encouraging tongue. See, there's a link. There's a definite link. So we want to take care of the business of just letting the Holy Spirit in, filling ourselves with his word, filling our minds with him, filling our homes with music that brings him glory and honor. Again, I'm not, try, I'm not being legalistic, okay? I'm not trying to be like super religious or whatever. I'm just saying 
whatever benefits your soul and benefits your heart and benefits your family, that's the direction you want to go. The third point. Okay, so we've identified what the issues are. We know what, what the tongue can do, can bring power, the power of life and death. But now in James 1.26, it tells us how to tame our tongue. It says, suppose you think your beliefs are right because of how you live. But then you don't control what you say. Then you are fooling yourselves. Your beliefs are not worth anything at all. Proverbs 21.23, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Proverbs 10.19, when words are many... Sin is when I when I read this, I get so convicted. I actually cut my sermon in half because of this proverb. <laughs> Where words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Proverbs seventeen: A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even tempered. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. When they keep their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. That's the Bible. That's, that cracks me up. You've heard that saying, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and eliminate all doubt. <laughs> okay, Proverbs eighteen thirteen. Those who answer before they listen are foolish and disgraceful. Woo, rough stuff. James 1, 19. My dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to get angry. James 3.3 says, My Christian brothers, not many of you should become teachers. If we do wrong, it will be held against us more than other people who are not teachers. We all make mistakes. If anyone does not make a mistake with his tongue by saying the wrong thing, he is a perfect man. He shows he is able to make his body do whatever he wants it to do. We can make horses go wherever we want by a small bit in its mouth. How much does an average horse weigh? 1,200 pounds. pounds. And how big is a bit? Like this big? Five inches. inches. Okay, five inches. 1,200 pounds, and you can control it with this little five-inch bit that goes in their mouth. Amazing. It says, we turn its whole body by this. Sailing ships are driven by strong winds, but a small rudder turns a large ship wherever, whatever way the man at the wheel wants a ship to go. The tongue is also a very small part of the body, but can speak big things. See how, very, how a very small fire can set many trees on fire. The tongue is a fire. It's full of wrong. It poisons the whole body. The tongue sets our whole lives on fire with a fire that comes from hell. Remember I was talking about the accusation from the evil one? Men can make all kinds of animals and birds and fish and snakes do what they want them to do. But no man can make his tongue say what he wants it to say. It is sinful and it does not rest. It is full of poison that kills With our tongue, we give thanks to our Father in heaven. And with our tongue, we speak bad words against men who are made like God. Giving thanks and speaking bad words come from the same mouth. My Christian brothers, this is not right. Does a well of water give good water and and bad water from the same place? Can a fig tree produce 
or give olives or a grapevine give figs? A well does not give both good water and bad water. You know, you think about those things that were spoken into your life when you were a little kid. Whether it was on the playground or whether it was your parents or maybe the media, maybe social media and the deaths that it brought and how God wants to do just the opposite. He wants to pour life through us um, I told a story during first service. I hadn't planned to tell it, but um, one day I went into a coffee shop and there was a barista there that was kind of a more difficult person to like. Is that a nice way to say that? <laughs> and as I walked in, the Holy Spirit prompted my heart and said, I want you to tell him I love him. <laughs> Seriously. And I said, like a good Christian woman, oh God, you can do all things, you do it. <laughs> I'm kidding. <clears throat> but I wrestled. I really wrestled with that. I don't like it when God tells me to do that. And he's had me do that many times and it's not my favorite. Because I already, you know, everybody always struggles with thinking they're, everybody always thinks that they're a geek anyway. I mean, I always feel like I'm, like I'm geek and then I go in there, oh, God loves you. <laughs> you know, it's like, so, so trying to put aside my pride and my fear of geekishness, I, I went up to him and I just kind of, oh, God, here it goes. So I went up to him and I said, hey, um, I hope you don't take this the wrong way and I hope, you know, I don't seem like a religious fanatic or whatever. But I just want you to know that God wanted me to tell you that he really, really loves you. And this guy immediately broke down and started crying. And he said, you don't know how much I needed to hear that today. He said, I'm a type 1 diabetic, and this morning I went into a diabetic coma at work, and they had to call the paramedics, and, and he said, and I almost didn't make it. This guy was like 30 years old. He said, thank you so much for telling me that. He goes, it gives me hope to go on. And this is not, I'm not saying this to puff myself up or to make you guys think that I'm so cool because you guys already know I'm a geek so we've already established that I'm telling you this to encourage you that when you get that little prompting when you think something nice about someone when you have a positive thing to say just say it risk looking like a geek okay being cool is overrated anyway be a geek go for it Say it. Be obedient. That's really what I, what I meant to say. You don't know the impact that your words can have on someone. You have no idea. You could change the course of that person's life. I was informed this morning that one of my neighbors attempted suicide. I had no idea. No idea what was going on. On the outside, you would look at this perfect family. 
And how many times I've walked by there and thought I should stop and just encourage them. Just kept walking by. Because I didn't want to look like a geek. Thank God that their attempts at suicide were not successful. Because there's still hope and there's still time. And I, I can guarantee you I'm going to be more bold in the future. Sorry to go heavy on you. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have healing in our own personal emotions. Faith comes through hearing, and hearing through what? All you Bible scholars? The Word of God. So if you are ever lacking faith in an area, what should you do? Try to conjure it up in yourself? Ask your spouse to encourage you? No. Go to God's word. Start with the Psalms. Start with the book of John. Start with Proverbs. I'm telling you, I can't... I have so many stories of times where I was at the end of my rope. I was, I was devastated and in despair, and I would open up God's word, and poof, everything changed. Everything changed. Do not believe the lie that there are not answers contained in the word of God. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And I can guarantee you that when you open it up and God has something to say to you, he will make it clear to you and you will know if you know his voice. And the more that you read the word, the more you will know his voice. You know, we're supposed to speak as though speaking the very words of God. Your true Christianity, your true spirituality is measured in your home. That's where the real you comes out. It doesn't matter how you look when you come to church, how you talk. Oh, praise the Lord. And you're being a, you know what, to your spouse or your kids or your neighbor. It doesn't matter. God's not fooled by that. Your true Christianity is measured in your home. So this is where you're going to be tested the most in using your words bringing life, the power of life. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. This is the good news right here. It says, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Sign me up. Right? But what is it when the what controls our lives? The Holy Spirit. You cannot be controlled by the Holy Spirit if you, first of all, don't know God's word, and second of all, are filling yourself with garbage that doesn't please God. And again, please do not hear me being legalistic. I am talking about living a life of abundance and freedom and prosperity and blessing. Okay? says that we have self-control. It says he'll give us self-control. He'll make us kind. He will give us goodness and gentleness and all those things that we can speak words of life. The power of life. So here it comes. Here's the challenge. You know when people just keep going on and on and on and talking and talking, probably like a lot of you are thinking about me like right now, like when is she going to stop? <laughs> What do they say? What do people usually say? 
And they give a list and then they're like, et cetera, et cetera. This is the et cetera challenge. It's the embrace the challenge challenge. All right? I'm going to challenge you this week for one solid week not to speak one word that brings death. One week of life-giving words. Can you do it? Nope, you can't. Neither can I. (laughs) But if we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through us. But that does not set us free from personal responsibility. Otherwise, why do you think there would be so many Proverbs going on and on and on about this, about holding your tongue and and remaining silent and all those things? So here's a little acronym I want you to remember. It's the word wait. Why am I talking? (laughs) Isn't that great? I stole it, so I can't take credit. Isn't that great? So before you say something, just go, wait. What is my motivation? Why am I talking? What am I going to say? Is what I am about to say going to bring life? Or is it going to bring death? Is it going to encourage or is it going to tear down? Is it going to honor or is it going to dishonor? Is it going to bless or curse? Is it going to encourage or discourage? Think about it and allow the Holy Spirit to put that little... I I guess our bridle has to probably be bigger, I don't know, (laughs) than horses. But let the Lord, let the Lord speak through you. And because he is always good, he's only going to speak words of life through you. He's not going to bring death through you. Okay? Does this make sense? You guys up for the challenge? Matthew 12, 36 says a tree, or wait, 33. A tree is identified by its fruit. You know, back to the very first proverb, those who love it will eat of its fruit. This is talking about fruit as well. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is evil or bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. Now, he's not talking to you guys. He's talking to Pharisees. And How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. You seeing a little, kind of a little theme here going on? Heart. Words. Heart. Speaking. See that theme? Keeps coming up here. It says, I tell you this, you must give an account on the judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Now we know that Jesus Christ is the one who acquits us. He is the one that paid the price for our sins on the cross. That he was the perfect man. He never sinned. He never spoke a word that brought death ever. Even when he called them brood of vipers. Even when he turned over the tables in the temple. Even when he said, woe to you, hypocrites, teachers of the law. Those those were bringing life because he was exposing what was true. He never spoke a word that brought death to anyone. And he will acquit us. 
when we stand before the Father and say, Lord, I'm forgiven because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. But in the meantime, we have the personal responsibility to wait and examine our hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. So here we are at the challenge, etc. Embrace the challenge. If you're willing to try, now, just said in James, none of us is perfect, right? But are you willing to try for a whole week to only speak words that bring life to others and life to yourself, even in your own thought life, even the words that you speak to yourself, taking your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Let me just tell you, this is a little aside, and I'm not going to keep preaching, going on and on and on, et cetera, et cetera. But if you hear a condemning thought come through your mind, whether it's a curse that you heard a long time ago, or whether it's your own selfish motivations, or whether it's your own condemning thoughts, or any of that, that is from the pit of hell, okay? That is not what the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. God is not going to condemn you. He might convict you, but then you will have hope that, oh, I can do this. Yes, I'm so sorry, but I can do this with the power of the Lord. Do not camp on those thoughts. Do not allow yourself to obsess over that which is not true. And when the Lord says that you are precious and honored in his sight, that's what he means. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That's what he says about you. So if you hear anything that conflicts with that, that says you're a loser or you're worthless or you're lazy or whatever the ha- that lie happens to be, kick it out for a whole week, okay? That's a whole nother message. Eric will be here next week, so I don't care what you do next week after it, but for this week. <laughs> I actually do care. You know that I do. So I'm going to ask you, if you're willing to take the challenge, if you're willing to embrace the challenge, like to ask you to just stand up right now. Recognize that you cannot do this on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the word of God. You need Jesus. You can't do this on your own. But we want to speak words of life. We want the power of life. We've, we've experienced the power of death. We don't want that anymore. So I'm going to pray I want to ask you guys, we're going to, we're going to do a responsorial. I'm going to say something, and I'd like you to repeat after me if it's true of you. First, we're going to go before the Lord, and we're going to ask him to change our minds. That's what repent is, to change your mind about how you think about something. So I'm going to pray it, and then you repeat after me. Holy Father. We honor you. We lift you up. We confess to you. We have brought death. Our words have not been life-giving. We have criticized others. We've judged. We've lied. Uh, Let's make it personal. Let's say I. I have flattered others for my own gain. I have complained, I've whined, I've argued, 
instead of giving thanks, I've been ungrateful. I've gossiped. I've had angry outbursts. I've said things I regret. I've cursed others instead of blessing them. Even on the freeway, I've made promises I haven't kept. I've accused others. I've mocked others. I've been demanding. But thanks be to God, because you promised to give me life. You've promised to use me to encourage, to protect, to speak the truth in love, to bring wise counsel, to correct in love, to bring blessing and hope and peace and love to other people. So we commit to you, Lord, to speak words that bring life. We recognize our own weakness. We can't even decide to do the right thing except for your power, except for your Holy Spirit, except for the truth of your word. So we commit to you, Lord, for a week and hopefully for our lifetime to honor you with our words in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I just want to say, if you have never had a revelation of the forgiveness that Jesus gave on the cross, uh, can I just invite the base camp team to come up? If you want to know more about this love and this power and this forgiveness that you can get only through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, just encourage you to talk to somebody that's up here or somebody that was on the worship team or me or somebody that looks like they know what they're talking about. (laughs) Probably not me, okay? But I just want to just invite you. You can understand what life everlasting means. You can know forgiveness and you can know the truth. Ira's up here. I'm sure he would be more than happy to share with you the gospel, the real gospel, the capital G gospel, the good news that we are sinners, but that there is an answer and it is the cross of Jesus Christ who shed his blood, whose blood was poured out for our sins so that we can be made free, so that we can speak words that bring life and not death. Amen? You guys excited? Woo! Yeah. Yay, God. I'll tell you, I'm amped. I'm ready to speak words of life. Are you? Power, right? All right, we'll see you next week. Pray for Eric and his team. They're in Vegas for the Kingdom 7 conference. So God bless you. Love you guys.